Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers, I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Maddie D. And fate whispers to the warrior, Ooh. you cannot withstand the storm. The warrior replies, I am the storm. And if you didn't want to know that, then storm you Storm sh- shadow. <laughs> yes, then you should be listening to the show because that is a mantra, that is Ooh. a quote, that is a code that two agents may tell each other. But more okay. importantly, that is a spoiler. Is it? Sort of. I wasn't even aware. So, Manny D and I this week are here to predict the plot of Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Wow, that well, the 7 isn't in the title, but it is Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, I can't believe they've actually made seven Mission Impossible movies. It's incredible, isn't it? To be honest. The only thing that can happen now is that Tom Cruise has to die while filming the second part, and then he has to be replaced by a guy called Brian. <laughs> Whose, whose uh, brain is in Tom Cruise's body. Yeah. In my favourite ever Carl Pilkington rant, <laughs> movie concept, we listened to it right before we recorded this because I was like, we're actually at this point in time. We're living in the future where Mission Impossible 7 exists. Yeah. And we need to look at all the other predictions that were out there about Mission Impossible 7, including Carl Pilkington. Yes, that's right. So, this is how far we go with research. That's our research. So, not yeah. only did we sit down and watch every single uh, Mission Impossible movie before doing this show, <laughs> we also watched every episode of the TV show, and then we watched the revival and all yeah. that stuff. All so, that stuff. I think it's really important to point out straight away, this movie is currently in cinemas. As we record this episode, because I screwed up, this movie is in cinemas. We could go and watch it straight away. I mean- we always say, like, oh, we could watch it straight away after this recording as a joke because the movie is never out when we do the recordings. Uh-huh. The movie is out here when we're doing this recording because it came out a week early here. It hasn't come out in the US. So, by the time that this episode's released, it would have come out worldwide. But it, for some reason, it's come out early here in Australia. Yes. Yes. But rest assured that neither Maddie D and I have cheated. We're going in with an open heart and honest hands. Okay. And we have not cheated or looked at the actual plot of the movie at all. So, we're really just going from the trailers for this one and, you know, a little bit of marketing material. But hand to heart, both Maddie D and I have not cheated. We could have easily gone and seen the movie last night and just come in and recited what we saw. (laughs) Where's the fun in that? But yeah, where's the fun in that? We're not about that on this show. So, we we promise that we havenven't cheated. So, if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, "Oh, oh, these guys might have actually seen the movie or they might have read like a plot summary. No, that's not actually the case. We have not cheated. We know nothing about this movie, and I think that's going to be really obvious listening to our plots. Yes, yes, it will So, be. if we have cheated, I think it'll be really obvious that we have, but I can guarantee you we have not. No, and it was really hard because I kind of had to step away from a lot of the research really? I, had to, I usually do for these kind of shows. So, when I did my notes, I started my notes a couple of days ago, there was yeah. no information on the movie. You're saying that when you did your notes, there was? Yes. Okay, because Which it has I been avoided, released Which I avoided, by the way. Yes. Well, so I suppose we'll find out. Yes. We'll find out. So, with that in mind, let's talk about Mission Impossible. So, of course, Mission Impossible was originally a TV series. It ran from 1966 to 1973. And as I mentioned earlier, it had a brief revival in 1988 with the same cast. Did you ever watch the TV show? We're not quite at the history stage yet, but have you ever seen the TV show? Because I haven't. In passing, but not enough to have a real history with it. Yeah, we're not here to talk about the TV show. Of course, we're here to talk about the movie franchise. Of course, this is the seventh installment, but the first installment came out all the way back in 1996. Mission Impossible, directed by Brian De Palma, one of our favourite directors. Director of Scarface, Carrie, Dressed to Kill, (laughs) to name a few. Then, of course, we had Mission Impossible 2 back in 2000, directed by John Woo. Now, Mission Impossible 2 was always a movie I wanted to see because it was filmed in Sydney. The big climax takes place in Sydney in a place that I've spent a lot of time at, North Head. Do you remember that one? Do I remember the second one? Yeah. Not very well, no. Yeah, John Woo was the director of that one. He was very popular at the time. He did a lot of um, slow motion Hong Kong action movies, yes. if you remember that. Yeah. And then we had uh, Mission Impossible 3 in 2006, so quite a jump there. We, we were almost going every six years. Between releases at this point, of course, Mission Impossible 3 was directed by J.J. Abrams, director of Lost, Matty D's favourite show of all time, director of his favourite movie of all time, Star Wars Episode 7. <laughs> and he was the producer on most of these movies until this one, believe it or not. And then, of course, we had Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which was directed by Brad Bird in 2011. And then we had Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and Mission Impossible Fallout in 2015 and 2018, respectively. Directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who's directing this movie, who's been helming the franchise ever since then. So, Manny D, I've got to ask right now, what is your history with the Mission Impossible movies? We know you haven't seen the TV show. Yes, I have a little bit of a a funny history with this franchise. Oh, yeah? 
So the first thing I ever recall or ever knew about uh, with anything to do with the Mission Impossible world mm. was the music, was the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. That was my like every. It's been around since the 60s. So. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that music was always synonymous with spy, with heists, with people coming down from, you know, ropes. And, you know, for me, it was always used in a TV show when there was a timer and the timer's, you know, got 60 yes. seconds. Yes. So I was very much used to the idea of Mission Impossible through like parodies and just through that kind of thing. So I was aware of it. But the first time I actually watched a Mission Impossible movie was on free-to-air TV. The first one was on and I sat down and I watched it. Now, way back when I was a, a, a much younger Maddie D, the mm. world was a very different place. Yeah. Uh, I think Tom Cruise has a kind of charm at the moment where we all like him and he's kind of a Yeah, we're in dude. a post-Top Gun Maverick world. Yes. But at the time- Where he saved cinema, apparently, <laughs> according to Steven Spielberg, anyway. Did you hear about that? I did not. Did, he, did they say that? So, the thing was, people weren't going to movies. Just like, and everyone was just like, shit, cinema is dead. Like, no one's going to movies. Movies aren't making money anymore. This was a post COVID world. Yeah. And then people were so used to seeing movies at home and, and, you know, having straight to streaming stuff that people weren't going to the cinemas. And literally every studio was just like, we're going to have to close our doors. But then Top Gun Maverick came out and that made a shitload of money at the box office and it got people going back to cinemas. So, Steven Spielberg was literally like lifting up, uh, (laughs) him and George Lucas were lifting up uh, Tom Cruise on a chair and go, you saved cinema, (laughs) yay, and they were running around. And that that, like put him up to 5'4", right? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, He was almost like a regular person's height. I didn't write any Tom Cruise short jokes in this episode. I'm backing off from that because it's not fair. It's not funny. We already did that episode on, you know, Top Gun Maverick. So, yeah, like, you're saying, like, Tom Cruise is having, like, a uh, resurgence where everyone thinks he's cool again now, but you're saying back then- Yeah, he's having a, a Brendan Fraser, Keanu Reeves, kind of like everyone loves him. Moment, yeah. Moment at the moment. But back when I was younger, we all hated Tom Cruise. That's he, right. He was the epitome of the fake blockbuster- My dad always used to call him Pinocchio, because he was <laughs> like, his acting is so wooden. <laughs> he was like the plastic, superficial movie star. Yes. And his movies always sucked. With and a big I fake smile. always thought that, and when I watched the first- Top, oh, sorry, not the first Top Gun. The first, well, the top, first Top Gun as well. But the first Mission Impossible, I was like, "This sucks. I, this is so vanilla. I didn't like it at all. I found it really mm. boring. I checked in and out. They did the second movie on free to air TV. I checked that John out, Wu. but yep. I didn't like that either. I thought that was even worse. And I never finished it. I remember bits and pieces. Oh, I would yeah. come in and out. So never was really interested in the Top Gun movies until until I Mission became- Impossible came out and not Top Gun. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Mission Impossible is what I'm talking about. You got me thinking about Top Gun. I'm sorry. Until I became a fan of Lost. Okay. And then I heard wow. Okay. JJ Abrams was My hero, JJ Abrams. Hope one day he makes Star Trek and Star Wars. <laughs> he's <laughs> making a Mission Impossible movie. It can only be good. So, yeah, I heard he's making a Mission Impossible movie, and he said, This is going to be a different Mission Impossible movie than you've ever seen before. He was right. And also. I'm going to have a huge spoiler about Lost. And remember, Lost was the show that, you know, there was all these mysteries yeah. and we didn't know what was going on and we yeah. were hungry for answers. The he show said, ended and it was still that case. Yes. And he said, I'm going to have a massive spoiler in a Mission Impossible movie for the fans of Lost to watch. And I was like, well, well I'm so The ghost, the, like, the, the cloud monster was in uh, <laughs> Mission Impossible 3. So I went and saw that movie in cinemas. Okay. Wow. Okay. And I I'm going to spoil it for people. The spoiler that JJ Abrams referred to is okay. at the end of the credits. There is a, there is a company in the Lost Universe called the Dharma Initiative. They have a logo, and at the at the end of the credits, they just display that logo. It's it oh, was, that's what that was. It was an Easter egg. It was so okay. fucking cheap, and you had to wait the whole movie to watch that. So that's what that was. But I sat through that movie, and I was like, oh, just this is I don't like this. I don't like this. So I was like, Mission Impossible movies not for me. Don't care for them. Hearing from you, I don't want to spoil. Okay, jump on. Yep, on yep. I don't want to feel jump free on- though. This is part of your history. Yeah, I don't want to jump on your history. I know you sort of became a fan of the later ones, and I know you sort of said they were a lot better than the ones that I was used to. But I was never really. I was like, ah, oh, they're not. I, I didn't like the first three. I'm not interested in watching it. I don't want to dedicate my time to it. But for this episode, I started watching the seventh oh, movie. I love that this is like a constant Maddie D thing. It's just like I started watching the movie, didn't finish it, <laughs> didn't finish it. No. And I gotta tell you that I can see why people like it. It has a certain charm to it and a certain fun to it. I still can't say I liked it. Well, actually, I will say that there were points in the movie that I was really enjoying, mm. and then I would just drop off interest, and then I would enjoy it Mind again. Mind you, if you're watching the seventh movie, you're missing out on the, the previous two installments, sure. so you're missing a lot of information. I'm mi- missing there. a lot of context, which is fair. And I was like, well, I, I kind of like like this movie sometimes, but then like it kind of has me and I'm like, oh, here we go. We're, we're going strong. And then all of a sudden I'll be, 
you know, completely disinterested and not paying looking attention. looking out the window. Looking out the window, exactly. And I realised what it was, and it was any time Henry Cavill was on screen, I was like oh, so no. into it. Because he was the best character in that movie, in my opinion. So, oh, so you, you, I thought you were saying you were looking out the window whenever Henry Cavill was on screen. No, that's when I was into it. No, I, I think whenever Tom Cruise is by himself, that's when you're looking out the window. But <laughs> yeah, Henry Cavill is my favourite character in the franchise, I've got to say. He's so good. He's he so, was so good in that movie. He has movie. such an energy in I that I was movie. really upset then because I was just are you saying that you thought he was bad? But no, no not he's, at all. He's really good in that movie. He, I was actually re-watching it last night and I was just like, I love Henry Cavill in this so movie. So anytime he was on screen and I, and I just noticed it, I was like, Oh, I'm only liking this movie when I see Henry Cavill because yeah. he's so good. And any anytime he's not there, I'm like, Meh. <laughs> yeah. So this franchise, these movies, they're not for me, but I completely understand. But you haven't really given it a chance. That's the thing. I've seen four of them. Well, no, four, you haven't. Four and a half. Three and a I've half. Seen three. <laughs> no, you didn't even finish watching the first two. <laughs> I, fi- I finished watching the first one. So let's say okay, and the collectively you've seen one. <laughs> so collectively I've seen three because I watched the first one all the way through. I've watched the third one all the way through, and I've watched like half of the second one, half of the f- seventh one. So sixth. Six. Yeah, six. We're talking about the seventh one today. Yeah. So what you're saying is just like, I watched some of the Sean Connery Bond movies and I saw like half of a uh, Timothy Dalton one, but like, I don't like Bond movies because I haven't really seen them. I think I've watched enough of it to have an opinion and okay, my opinion fair enough. is they're not for me, but I completely, I, I get they're like a Christopher Nolan, but like- Again, this is sort of like Fast and the Furious where you might've seen the first two Fast and Furious movies and then you're judging the whole franchise and what it's become from that. Yeah, but I watched the sixth one. No, you didn't. I watched half of it. Yeah, exactly. You can't judge it watching half the movie. It's got to keep me there, though. Yeah, but anyway. you don't fucking watch anything. That's the problem. But anyway, that's my history. I watched half of Black Panther. Now I'm a Black Panther expert. <laughs> but I watched... Uh, but that's my history with the Mission Impossible movies. It is Fair enough. It is. So you now don't have a history is what I'm hearing. Now I'm here to predict this seventh movie. Yeah, I can't wait to hear your plot prediction. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. So my history with the Mission Impossible franchise, I felt like your history was really long, even though you had nothing. So you've seen some of the movies. I told you, I had a journey with this franchise. Okay, interesting. Interesting. So I saw the first movie when I was young. I was probably still like a, a young teenager when I saw the first movie. And I didn't like it, Matty D. I didn't like the first movie. No kidding. So I was just like, I don't want to see any of the other movies. I'm not interested in seeing the second one, even though it's filmed in Sydney where we live. You know, I love any movie that's filmed in Sydney. But even though I was just like, oh, I still have to put up with Tom Cruise. <laughs> and then uh, eventually, eventually, Matty D, I finally was like, all right, I'll watch Mission Impossible 2. Everyone keeps talking about like how great it is. He's, he's rock climbing at the start and he's doing it for real. I will guess I'll watch that. He has long hair. And I fucking hated Mission Impossible 2. That movie is so bad. Yeah, man. That I was just like, no, I'm done. I'm never watching another Mission Impossible movie. I refuse. I will not watch another one. Preach. And then it wasn't until last year. It wasn't until 2022. I was still going, I'm never watching another Mission Impossible movie. I had a friend who was just like, man, have you been watching the Mission Impossible movies? And I'm not. No, I don't like that franchise. I'm not watching it. He's just like, oh, man. But like from the fourth one onwards, they got really good. And I'm like, I don't care. It's not my franchise. It's not for me. You could say, watch it a hundred times. I'm never going to do it. And then he was like, well, it's sort of like the Bond franchise where it sort of like got to a point where it matured and changed and they sort of embraced what they were and and really sort of changed and it became less about Tom Cruise and it became more about the team. And I was just like- Less about Tom Cruise, you say? I'm like, interesting. All right. Well, I'll watch the fourth one and if I don't like it, I'm going to turn- I'm going to do a Matty D and turn it off halfway through. Mm -hmm. And then I watched the fourth one and I really liked the fourth one. I'm like, man, this was really good. I really had a good time with it. And so I was just like, well, I've got to watch the fifth one. So the next night I watched the fifth one and I was like, this was even better. Like this was, this was so much better than the fourth one. I had a great time. There's a scene where Tom Cruise is underwater for three minutes and I was holding my breath the whole time. I'm like, no, I would have died. He, he would have died. Well, talking- he, he's a special agent, Kieran. He's trained for that. That's, well, he did actually train in the movie to do the underwater for three minutes. I'm sure he bit. did. But not in real life. He didn't actually go underwater for three <laughs> That was a stunt he could not do. I don't think any human being- well, maybe Guybrush Threepwood, but no one can actually survive underwater for three minutes. And then I watched the sixth one, which, of course, was Mission Impossible Fallout, the one with Henry Cavill in it. And I was like, this is the best one so far. This is my absolute favorite. So it's very rare for me to watch a series and like each installment is better than the, the previous one. And I was just like, man, well, I haven't seen the third one yet. I should go back and watch the third one and see if it's as good as these ones. And I went back to watch the third one like, huh, this <laughs> yep. isn't very good. <laughs> I really hated the third one. There was like one or two things that I kind of liked in the third one, but overall I was like, man, this is such a drop in quality from what they've they've given us so far. So, 
believe it or not, I'm really excited for the seventh movie just because I really like the sixth one so much. Awesome. And I'm probably going to be disappointed. That's the thing because my expectations are so high given the previous three movies. Well, yeah. Well, the, the same team is in charge, right? That's so right. it's got to be the same style. And we've got movie. Christopher McQuarrie leading the helm again. He's yeah. written all of the three previous movies. So, so. it could be good. So we know that it's going to follow the same stuff and, you know, and I know I'm going to enjoy it for, I guess, the most part. And looking at the trailers, it looks all right. So I'm going to Indiana Jones it and dial back my expectations. But this is one of the movies that I have been looking forward to seeing over the last couple of years. So Can I know what your ranking is for the movies? Just to get an idea. Oh, that's so easy. That's so easy. So it's six, five, four, uh, one, three, two. Okay. So two's the worst. Two is absolutely the worst. That movie is so bad. It's irredeemable. I just realised as well, and this is going to be such a tangent, but it is related. I just realised as well, I didn't work any, like, taking off masks to reveal other actors in my plot. I did. So, I'm going to have to squeeze it in. Because that's a huge part of these movies. Yes, it is. Let's get into talking about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, the movie that we're here to predict this week. So, of course, as I said, Christopher McQuarrie is returning as writer and director for this one, and this is intended to be the first part of a two-part finale. Don't you love it? This is going to be the last of the Mission Impossible movies we see. So, obviously, the eighth instalment is going to be the last one. This is Part 1. But I'll believe that when I see it. Mm. So Tom Cruise is 60, by the way. Good on him, man. Doesn't look 60. Yeah. I, I, I reckon he looks about 50. I mean, there's probably work involved there, but yes. he's pretty active for a 60-year-old. Good on him. So I think he's done as far as these movies are concerned. So he's got like one left in him. His body is probably not going to be able to take doing all of that running <laughs> anymore. I love the Tom Cruise run. But yeah, I, I've seen this whole like, oh, this is going to be the last one before. We were told that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was going to be the last Indiana Jones movie. We were told that the the third Purge movie was going to be the final Purge movie. We were told that Fast X was going to be the last Fast and Furious movie. But then, of course, none of those franchises are ending anytime soon. Well, Indiana Jones. But none of those <laughs> fran- other franchises are ending anytime soon. So like I said, I'll believe it when I see it. But so we're just having a two-parter Mission Impossible movie. That's how I'm seeing it. But if it is the finale, fair enough. Fair enough. So, what do we know about this movie so far? Well, technically, we know a lot, but what do we know going into this prediction is that there are about not a lot two trailers. That's right to this movie. I was so surprised. There's only two trailers. The movie is out literally. Yes. Only two trailers. Well, they don't really need to sell. I it was that standing much, in a though. train station yesterday, by the way, and they had the same 15 second uh, trailer loop going. So here in Sydney, in the, some of the train stations, they have big screens in the in the train platform where they'll show movie trailers. And I saw the same 15 seconds over and over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> kind of helped me out because I was just like, "What's going on in that bit?" Yeah. So uh, it's not a lot of helpful information. It's a lot of action scenes. It's a lot of Ethan. This is the hardest mission you've ever done. Yeah, which before. we've heard in every movie leading up to this point. Blah blah blah. It's a lot of globe trotting by the look of it. Yeah, we've had that before. Uh, Tom Cruise has been doing the press route a lot. He's yep. been talking a lot about the movie about oh, how next you'll tell me he was doing his own stunts in the movie. <laughs> he certainly was. A lot of people are talking about the action scenes and the stunts involved in this movie. That's sort of a lot of the knowledge about the movie, but. As far as the plot is concerned, there's very there's little information about it. It's very vague. I'm sure you're going to go into the really small brief that was yeah. available. So, I actually have the synopsis here from the official Mission Impossible 7 website. So, it goes as follows. In Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, Ethan Hunt and his IMF, that stands for Impossible Mission Force, by the way, team embark on their most dangerous mission yet to track down a terrifying new weapon that threatens all of humanity before it falls into the wrong hands. With control of the future and the fate of the world at stake and dark forces from Ethan's past closing in, a deadly race around the globe begins. It's starting to sound like a Fast and Furious plot. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) Confronted by a mysterious, all-powerful enemy, Ethan is forced to consider that nothing can matter any more than his mission, not even the lives of those he cares about most. Ooh. Ooh, will people die? Yes. Will Luther die? Will Benji die? Oh, jeez. Oh, no, not them. (laughs) So, one interesting thing I noticed watching the trailers, there was a scene in one of the trailers, I think it's in both of the trailers, actually, where, like, a train is going across, like, a a blown-up bridge and goes over the edge of the bridge. Yes. And I was like, this train bridge looks really familiar to me. It's like I've seen it in a movie recently. And then I was just like, it looks just like the train bridge and the train scene in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh. Turns out- they film both scenes in the same location at the same time. No way! So, they're all hanging out together? Yes. That's awesome! So, the blown-up train bridge that we see in the trailer is the exact same train bridge that we see in Indiana Jones and the right. Dial of Destiny. I couldn't believe it. Matty D hasn't seen the movie, so he doesn't know the scene. No. but well, I, was- I remember seeing the trailer. Yeah, that's right. There's a fight scene in the on, on the, the train, train yeah. yes, that's right. 
And they even fight on the roof of the train, which is exactly what happens in this movie as well. And I was just like, oh, my God. In fact, most of my plot is just ripping off the plot of the actual plot of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny because I'm seeing so many similarities. Yeah, fair. But, yeah, it is the exact same location where they filmed the train sequence in that movie. So, yeah, when the, the, the train bridge blows up, it was literally the same train bridge. And, like I said, they filmed the same train sequence at the same time, which is great. So, I'm expecting, like, a little cameo from Indiana Jones in the background. That would be so cool. Like, you know, just Harrison Ford appearing. That would be sick. Yeah, so Ethan Hunt and the bad guy Gabriel are just fighting on the roof. And then Indiana Jones pops up and goes, I'll help you out, kid. And he whips him. <laughs> I love to see that. No, it's de-aged. It's de-aged Harrison, de-aged Harrison Ford. Because that was that scene in that movie. So, yeah. Uh, and just like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny... This movie has a nearly $300 million budget, making, of course, another one of the most expensive movies ever made. I feel like we've been saying that a lot recently. (laughs) But this is the season. So, we're in the middle of summer in the US. It's winter here in Australia. We're in the middle of uh, blockbuster season. Blockbuster season, yeah. So, all of the massive movies that have been, you know, they've been working on since, you know, 2019 are finally coming out now. So, this is why we're doing, you know, plot prediction, actual spoilers, plot prediction every week without a break because there's just so many movies. There's a massive backlog of AAA movies that are just coming out all at once. And this is one of them. So, let's talk about who's in this movie. So, of course, returning as the character of Ethan Hunt, the main character since the first installment of Mission Impossible is Tom Cruise, who we last talked about in Top Gun Maverick. And as I mentioned, he's 60 years old in this movie, which I couldn't believe when I heard that. Harrison Ford is 81. He's 60. Wow. But yeah, what can we say? We've talked about Tom Cruise before. He's going through a period. You very nicely summed it up at the beginning. He's going through a period where people like him now. Yeah, the Cruise Renaissance. The Cruise Renaissance. We're in the golden era of Cruise at the moment. Yeah. The golden twilight, let's say. It's crazy how people's careers can go through that, right? Like, Yeah, it he- wasn't that long ago that he was jumping on the couch with Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> he could do nothing right at one stage. Yes. And now he can't do anything Can wrong. you believe there was a point where people were like, his best performance was in Tropic Thunder, where he had the bald head and the big hands when he was Les Grossman? <laughs> Can you believe that? Because yeah. like, we don't recognize him, so we like him. <laughs> but yeah, how far he's come since then. So next up, playing the character of Grace, who is a new character of this series, is Hayley Atwell, who of course was Peggy Carter in the Marvel Universe. What else has she done, Matty D? No, don't know. Exactly. <laughs> and next up, playing the character of Gabriel, who again is a new character to this series, is is Isai Morales, who was in two episodes of Miami Vice. That's the cool. only thing I've seen him in. I've never seen any cool. other movie that he's done. What do you know him from, Matty D? I don't know him from anything. Um, okay. Never recognized him before. I'm, uh, you know, picking up on a trend here. You don't know who Hayley Atwell is either? Nope. Okay. So, this is your first time seeing any of these actors? Pretty much, yeah. I'll no, look- you know who Peggy Carter is. Yes. In all fairness. So, next up, playing the character of Luther Stickel is uh, Ving Rhames. Of course, everybody knows it's Marcellus Wallace from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And he was in the Dawn of the Dead remake as well, wasn't he? Was he? Have you seen it? Yeah, of course. I watched it with you. Probably. He was one of the main characters. So. Right. Well, in all fairness, he didn't do much, so I don't blame you for not remembering him. In all fairness, we were drinking too. That's true. All right. You know Ving Rhames from anything else? He's done a lot of stuff. Pretty much just Pulp Fiction in this. Fair enough. So, next up, returning as the character Benji Dunn is Simon Pegg, who I don't think we've ever talked about no. Simon Pegg on this show. No. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End. Star run, Trek. Run, Fat Boy, Run. <laughs> so, he was actually only in this franchise because of Star Trek, as you mentioned. Because he was in Star Trek, J.J. Abrams cast him in this. Oh. And so, in Mission Impossible 3, he was like the guy at the keyboard. He was like yeah. the one in Ethan's ear, the one that, you know, can you imagine Ethan Hunt's got a little earpiece and he's always- You've seen the movie. Yes. He's always just like, to your left, Ethan. I'm bringing up the schematics, Ethan. Yeah, he's, he's the guy if, in the box. That's right. But then he evolved and actually became a field agent in, in, in 4, 5, and 6. And so, he's actually become a competent member and not the tech guy anymore. By the way, Luther, Ving Rhames' character, is also the tech guy. He was the tech guy before- Simon Pegg's character was, so they're both the tech guy, yes. which is like redundant city, <laughs> so I don't know why they're always both in the movie together, but as I've said- it's the dynamic between Benji them. is actually a field agent now, so he can actually go out and do stuff while Luther, you know, poor old Ving Rhames, he's a lot older than Tom Cruise is, let me tell you. Yes. He can sit in the box and give them instructions. Yes. So, next up, playing the character of Ilsa Faust is Rebecca Ferguson, who of course we've talked about before. Remember when we last talked about Rebecca Ferguson? No. She played Rizza, an alien in Men in Black International, one of your favourite movies of all time. <laughs> Can't believe you forgot that. Which which alien was she? She was the one that uh, Chris Hemsworth fought oh, right. alongside Luca Brazzi on that island. Do you remember? She was the woman. She had like, uh, she sort of looked like Cleopatra. Was, was I called it, her the Cleopatra okay. alien. Yeah. Did she have multiple arms? I think she had multiple arms. I'm trying to re- I was like, was there a Medusa kind of thing going on or something? Sort of, but not really. 
Yeah. Okay, we cool. did that. We talked about that movie three years ago, Matty. Can you believe it's that? It's a long time. Yes. And, uh, it was one of the worst movies we covered as well. Yes, absolutely. It was one of the Still. worst movies of 2019. Still. So that was the last time we talked about Rebecca Ferguson. I've got to say she's much better in these movies than she was in Men in Black International. Oh, well, that wouldn't be her fault. Next up, playing the character of Alana Mitsopoulos, returning from the previous movie, is Vanessa Kirby. Of course, we talked about before as Hattie Shaw in Hobbs and Shaw. Again, a movie we talked about in 2019. All of the actors are returning from 2019 in this one. I'm excited to see her back. Her character did nothing in the previous movie, so hopefully she has a bit more meat in this one. But uh, yeah, I liked her in Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, she was good Good to see her back. And next up, playing the character of Paris, who is a new character to this franchise, is Pom Clementif, who, of course, we last talked about in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, where she played Mantis. Can you believe that? She's doing, like, back-to-back blockbuster movies. So, she just finished doing Guardians of the Galaxy, and now she's doing Mission Impossible. Yeah, she's crushing it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys are. And last but not least, playing the character of Jasper Briggs is Shay Wingham, who, of course, we talked about recently in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. He voiced uh, Gwen Stacy's dad. And, of course, he is Pete in Perry Mason. So, I've always got to bring up an actor if they appear in Perry Mason. <laughs> and this guy was also in Fast X, I've got to bring. He was also in, in F9 and Fast X. So, we keep seeing him, but I've just never really mentioned him because I've never really noticed him. Okay. What was he in the Fast movies? So, he was working for the FBI. So, he was originally working alongside uh, Paul Walker's character. Um, what was his name? Brian. Brian, that's right. Yeah, he was originally working alongside Brian in the FBI, and there was a running gag where Brian keeps punching him in the face and breaking his nose in the movies. But yeah, like I said, never really noticed him until now. But yeah, uh, I don't really uh, know the impact he's going to have in this movie, but I guess we'll see. So, let's talk about what we think is going to happen in the movie. Now that we're half an hour into the episode, let's talk about what we think is going to happen in the movie. I have five pages of notes. Oh, dear, dear. This is going to be a long one. Yes. Um, I'll try to go through my plot as quickly as- Oh, so you're going first. Oh, am I going first? Well, I went first in The Flash, so I think it's only fair that you go first. I'm happy to go first. Let's rip this Band-Aid off. So, I'll try to get through it as quickly as I can because I don't have five pages of notes. All right, you're going to have to stretch it out then. I do want to say, though, that your boy has been busy. He's been hustling. He has many pots on the boil. Okay, here's Manny D's excuse this week. I'm not saying it's an excuse, but when I did my notes, the movie had already technically come out, so I had to avoid a lot of information. Right, okay. That, I think, hurt me a little bit. I only based a lot of my plot on kind of the formulas of these kind of movies and the trailers. We're lucky that these movies always follow a formula. Yes. So, that's what we've got to- I very heavily leaned on the formula. Yes, yes. So, and the trailers, as we said, they gave so little- And you don't even have the advantage of knowing the the plot lines from the previous movies. I know. So, you're seeing these characters for the first time. I'm going in so blind, but- I'm a positive man, Kieran. Okay. I'm so positive. So you don't even know who Ilsa or Benji or any of these people well, are. I know Benji. You don't even know about the syndicate. I kind of know about the syndicate. They, okay. they covered that in the seventh movie. Seventh, they, cover, they will cover That's that true, in the seventh sorry. movie. They covered that I forgot that you watched half of the uh, sixth movie. <laughs> so that helped a lot. But I, I'm a positive guy, Kieran. So I hope you worked Henry Cavill into your plot. Why? He's not credited in this movie. How do you know he's not going to be in this one? Because he's not credited in the movie. Okay, fair enough. So I'm going to, I assume that he died. Uh, okay. So I didn't, I didn't put him in this movie. But um, spoiler alert, he did die. Did he? <laughs> yeah, he did. Okay. Die. I, f- I figured he was going to die, and I didn't see him. Spoiler: in this He movie. was the villain of the previous movie. I know. I covered like I saw that twist when oh, he, he did. When he- okay, yeah, you watched half of the movie. You saw that. Yeah. Game. So I saw fair that enough. he turned on Ethan Hunt. Yeah. So he was working for the syndicate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Now that we've spoiled it for everybody, let's yes. move on. That, that, yeah. Exactly. So I, I'm up to date on what sort okay. of was happening in the movie. I got fair way through it actually. But uh, yeah, so I'll go into it. I oh, my file on my computer is actually called Mission Possible. Okay, that's going to put good vibes for me, you know. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, here is my plot. We're going to start with two random no names doing an arms deal. Who are they? Who cares? Okay. But they're Darren and Maddie D. But they're doing an arm match. Yeah, we're in the movie. But they're doing an arms deal. One of them gets a little sus and tells his friend to pull out, and they they pull out their guns. Oh, okay. That's the two buyers pull out their guns, and the buyers rip off their masks. They're real realistic okay, yeah, looking masks here we go. to reveal that they are. Ethan and Benji. There you go. Mm. Ethan John Wick's the two baddies and wrestles them down, shooting them. <laughs> Please use John Wick as a verb. <laughs> you know what I mean? How he yes. like pulls grapples the gun. Yes, yes. Uh, meanwhile, Benji just stands there being a useless wuss. 
Also, oh, you, you obviously haven't seen the previous movies. <laughs> he was useless as far as I was concerned in the last movie. But uh, so, yeah, you're going to realize standing next to Tom Cruise, everybody, everybody looks is useless. <laughs> that is true. Speaking of the team, Luther is not here because he is the driver. And this movie will be careful not to film, won't you? Not to film him waddling around everywhere. <laughs> no, old man shuffling. Which leads me to my next prediction. Okay. Luther will be primarily filmed from the chest up. <laughs> No As dis- is standard in these movies. No disrespect. He We've- wasn't even in the fourth movie. I was really <laughs> upset. I was just like, oh, they didn't even include him. Look, my love, Luther, we're all- we've all been there. I just want the point, so that's what I'm saying. Okay. Anyway, Ethan realizes that they're more bad so guys. If I see his feet in this movie, I'm not giving you points. So they might have like a shot of him in full form, but it's mainly going to be a Vin Diesel shot. Okay. Uh, that's when I started noticing it. When I started watching these fast movies, I'm like, Vin Diesel's always shot from the chest up. And now I notice it all the time with certain yes. actors. Yes. Like, oh, okay. So if we're Actors put a little bit of weight, that kind of chest up. And, okay, because let's cheap. not forget, we never covered this, but let's not forget that uh, Vin Diesel was really overweight yeah. when they filmed Fast X, so they had to cut around that a lot, and they had to CGI muscles onto him, <laughs> which is so funny. I can't see them doing that with Luther here. Good old Ving Rhames, I don't think he's getting the CGI treatment. No, so. he's not. He's going to be sitting down the whole time. Yep. Like I said, if I see his feet, I'm deducting a point. <laughs> you yeah. see his feet. All right, yeah. well, I, I, I'm willing to risk it. So as I was saying, Ethan are going to realize more bad guys are coming to kill them because the arm deal has gone bad. So Ethan and Benji get on motorbikes and flee. Did I mention yes. they're in the mountains? They're in the mountains. Like a mountain. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. Okay. What country is this? <laughs> I was imagining the desert for some reason. The desert? But it yeah. looks really cold in the trailer. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know what you're describing. Nothing I saw in the trailer matches what you're describing. No, the desert for my plot appears later okay. on. So, so we're I'm, in the mountain. I'm, I'm thinking so we're in like, uh, like a European, uh, okay. Eastern European sort of all right, Place. that's a lot of countries. Mm, it is. So they're in the Balkan region. <laughs> Ethan tells Benji to veer off while he distracts the bad guys. So he's Benji, like, veer off. Go, go oh. that way. <laughs> the bad guys are going to chase me, and uh, so they're they're also pursuing him on a motorbike too. Benji does this, and he enters the van that Luther is driving, since Luther is okay. our getaway driver. On his bike? Like, he drives up, like, the back of like, yeah. like it's uh, the Italian job? Exactly. Okay. Exactly like that. Ethan then drives off the cliff and activates a wingsuit. Oh. And this is our introduction to how cool Tom Cruise is. Just as he's flying- in all the behind-the-scenes material, they kept going on about how um, Tom Cruise did this stunt for real. Yeah. This is like the big stunt of the movie, the uh, driving off the cliff on a motorbike and parachuting. And also the car chase scene, which apparently is getting a lot of- Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Yeah. It looks like a cool, cool scene. And the fact that he does it The wingsuit or the- Wingsuit. I said parachute in my plot, but if you're saying wingsuit, yeah, I'll buy that. It looks like a wingsuit to me, but yeah. So he activates his wingsuit, he flies through the air, and we see a good guy helicopter picking him up. Wow. Uh, <laughs> the bad guys- so He flies through it like spies in disguise, drops yep. off a bomb. Boom. Yeah, ex- exactly. The bad guys are pursuing him on Snake their motorbike. Snake Eyes is in the helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> and then there. it crashes. Harrison lo- Ford is in there too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, the bad guys, uh, you know, in the pursuit of Ethan- Drive off the cliff because they're idiots. Anyway, cue our, icon- <laughs> cue our iconic Let's not forget that we, we said there was Kieran and Matty T. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, okay. Cue the score. A lot of, bum, lot of little bum, bum, visuals bum, bum. of you know, previous Mission Impossible <laughs> movies. Oh, is that how the movie's was, open? That's how the movie's opening, yes. It's always a fuse, Matty D. It's always a fuse and we follow along the fuse just psh, as it goes around as the music goes dun. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Dun. But this is your version. It's stylized. We've got to do different things every now and again. Yep. Okay. Are you picking me up? No. No, no. Are you picking me up? I assume you'd buy a drink for that, but like the mic is picking me up. Yes. Yep. Cool. So after that uh, sequence, the gang are in an underground basey thingy. It's in a non basey thingy. It's it's nondescript. It kind of looks like an underground parky lot slash parky lot parky lot parking lot slash bunker. They spend a lot of time in places like so. Vin Diesel's there. It's F nine all of a sudden. Well, they spend a lot of time in places like this in six. So just picture that. Okay. Suddenly, non Alec Baldwin appears. <laughs> and asks if the weapons have been retrieved. And, you know, they have. They managed to, re- like, locate the weapons out of these bad guy arms dealers. And and this character says, I know I'm not Alec Baldwin, but Matty D already started with his notes when he was watching the last movie yeah. and saw Alec Baldwin die. <laughs> so <laughs> he doesn't know who this character's going to be, uh, but he's not Alec Baldwin, apparently. Shit, I forgot to include, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Hawkeye in this. Is Hawkeye in it? He was in all the other movies. Oh, I forgot to include him in this. Yeah, I forgot to include Jeremy Renner in this movie. Maybe he's not in it. Maybe. Who was he in the sixth movie? Uh, maybe he wasn't in the sixth movie, but he was a main character in the fourth and fifth movie. Oh, okay. Well, 
I didn't know that. Well, he's not in the cast list, so I'm not including <laughs> him. He, he would have been promoted. By the, the way, cast list. when the fourth movie came out, everyone thought that they were setting up Jeremy Renner to replace Tom Cruise as the as the lead character in these mm. movies. Obviously, never happened. Yeah. Well, you can't really. What happened to his character? Shit. <laughs> yeah, he, I, yeah. I think everyone just you forgot tell about me. it. Yeah. I think everyone just forgot about it. Uh huh. So I, I, I when I watched well, the when movie- you said Alec Baldwin, you reminded me because he was Alec Baldwin's assistant oh, in the fourth movie, right? I mean, I don't know. And then became an agent. Okay, well, it could be him. I, I would think that they would have credited him if he's in this movie. Yeah. So, I'm going to say he's not in this movie. Well, he was in a, like, a bobsled, not bobsled, like a ski-do accident. Bobsled team. No, he was in a ski-do accident recently and got really badly hurt. So, oh, really? Um, I don't think he's doing anything at the moment. Damn. That's he nice. may never act again. That's terrible. Yeah. Man. Back to Mission Impossible. What a downer. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Anyway. The part that I watched in the sixth movie, Alec Baldwin died. I know these movies are twisty, so I it could be the case that Alec Baldwin wasn't actually dead, but in my knowledge, he is. So, it's going to be some other person who knows who it is, yep, who cares. Okay. Uh, but back to the dialogue that this person's telling Ethan, he says, or she says, who knows. Um, okay. okay, there's another there's another arms deal that's going on and we need you I know to what I know. I know who this character is. It's Mr. Half Point. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that half point. It's, it's as good as I'm going to get. So, they say it's going to be in Prague. Your mission, if you choose to accept it is to go and meet with an old colleague, the White Widow. She is your colleague. contact. An old Co- contact. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, and find out what this like arms dealer is up to. And Ethan responds, "I'm really cool, so of course I'll do that." Mission accepted, you son of a bitch. <laughs> dun 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 dun. Kicks them in the nuts. Yeah. He actually says dun 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 in my okay. part. Dun dun dun. <laughs> As he's running around, he's just going dun 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 <laughs> like Batman. Yes. Flash to Prague. Ethan is looking cool in a suit. He goes to a party that has a lot of laser shows going on. It's like yeah. kind of a nightclub oh, yeah. theme thing we see it in the We're trailer. gonna pretend that we didn't just see this in John Wick chapter four. <laughs> nope. Ignore that. Luther and Benji are with Ethan, but they're so kind of like Prague, you're saying. Yeah, this is in okay, Prague. Yeah. Uh, so Get some uh, absinthe. <laughs> does some drugs. Absolutely, it's it's a it's a wild party. So yeah, Benji and Ethan are here, but they're kind of more. They're Ethan's, just on the dance floor, just Ethan's, grooving. Yeah, they're, they're grooving. They're having we don't out. see Luther's feet. They're blow- so <laughs> they're blowing he's in the DJ stand. booth. <laughs> no, they're going to be uh, Ethan's eyes and ears. Okay, uh, but because this is a party, Luther's going to be wearing a fancy fedora. <laughs> I forgot that he wears a fedora in these movies. So it's a blinged out fedora. Yeah, it's, it's like his, a white one with sequins on it's it. It's his best fedora he picked out yeah. for this occasion. Not quite his best because I think you'd save that for like Ethan's wedding, but a fancy one. Okay. One, We've one already had Ethan's wedding. One, one that'll impress the ladies. Anyway, Ethan meets with a white widow. She's all mysterious and uh, uh, And together they meet the bad guy. Ethan introduces himself under an alias. Since this is a prediction show, I guess I've got to predict what the alias is going to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to guess he's going to introduce himself as Evan Bourne. Uh, Ethan okay. asks- Why not Jason Bourne while you're at it? Because I can't copy too much. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I forgot whose name was Jason Bourne, <laughs> to be honest with you. Okay. Did you actually think his name was Evan Bourne? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. Uh, Ethan then asks uh, for the weapon from the bad guy, and the Why bad guy says- <laughs> Jeremy Bond. <laughs> That wasn't my other Sorry. name. Uh, so the bad guy says he doesn't have it. Uh, it's a new weapon that's going to tip the balance of power. Uh, so this is, this is Evan Bourne, right? This is Ethan talking to this mysterious arms Evan Bourne, yeah. Evan Bourne yeah. talking to this mysterious- So who's a, who's a colleague of uh, the white widow, Alana? Well, they're, they're working together okay, to yeah. get this arms dealer and find out the weapon that he's- There's another training. arms dealer? There's three people. Okay. The widow- Ethan and this bad guy. And Evan. Evan Evan Bourne. Well, Ethan is going under the alias Evan Bourne. Oh, okay. I'm so confused. So, Ethan is going by the name Evan Bourne. Yes. Pretending to be an arms dealer, even though Alana knows who he is already from the previous movie. But Alana is working with Evan. With Ethan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So... This is way. This is become way more. This is a mess than it needs to be. Ethan and Widow are working together to get okay. this arms dealer. Okay, but they're pretending Who's to be other people. Person. Okay. All right. Yeah, so an arms dealer is dealing an arms dealers now. He's he's got a weapon that they want. Okay. They're, they're trying to figure out what this weapon is, and, and this bad guy says, "Right, because I, I remember uh, Alana is a contact of Ethan's in your plot." Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yep. 
This person says, you know, this is a really good weapon. This is the best weapon this ever. Person? This fantastic weapon. Just a bad guy. Uh, well, it's funny you should ask this because at this point, I just want to address that I'm going to mention a lot of the villains as bad guys. Oh, yeah. Since most the of these thing. characters will die suddenly and have next to no personality or little impact, the right. names don't overly matter. I'm sure they're getting a good payday out of it. So referring to them as bad guys is good enough. Okay. Yep. So this guy, he has this weapon. He He's going to be selling it to the highest bidder and they want to get it before it goes into the wrong hands. Okay. Essentially, that's so what So this happened. is Mr. Halfpoint. This is Mr. Halfpoint, exactly. On that note, an assassin tries to shoot Mr. Halfpoint, causing the party to become a skirmish and become a panic. Ethan takes out the assassin because he's a really cool guy. And they escort Mr. Halfpoint out in a very impressive action sequence. Now, they trick Mr. Halfpoint in an elaborate sequence of wearing masks to get a confession out of him. <laughs> okay. Uh, the- Just like in Mission Impossible 6. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so Mr. Halfpoint tells them that the weapon is actually being transported via train. Ethan tells his crew that he's on the hunt and no one laughs. Because <laughs> he's Ethan Hunt. <laughs> mm-hmm. No one laughs. Which I, which I called which him- Which I did, sorry. Which I nearly called him something different half oh. all, all the way through <laughs> this, uh, this prediction. Uh, also, the the bad guy, Mr. Halfpoint, tells Ethan about Gabriel, a terrorist who's after the weapon as yeah, well. Yeah, okay. So, then we're introducing our big bad guy. Ethan enters the train, and because he's a cool guy, you know, he does it really stylishly, but is confronted by Gabriel, and the two have a fight on top of the train, and he's, and they're very nearly taken out by a tunnel. So, where's this train? This in the trailer. I don't so know. So, they just copied the first Mission Impossible movie, is what you're telling me? It is going from one spot to another. Because you were saying, like, they're in a mountainous region, a cold place you said mm-hmm. in somewhere in Europe on the on bikes in the opening scene and yes. now we're in a different place yes so we were in Prague we're in Prague and then now we're in a train in Prague or where is this it can be in Prague okay fair enough it makes sense for it this to be trains in Prague. in Prague yeah absolutely so you're saying they're fighting on top of the roof so Gabriel has been introduced at this point yep and we you said he's a who is who's Gabriel in your plot he is a terrorist okay He's after the weapon because he wants to control the world and have the world by the balls. Okay. All right. And they're having a fight. Fair enough. Yeah. On top of the train. And, and, and they go through a tunnel, as you said. It's during the fight that Gabriel sort of explains what his motives are and the fact that no matter what Ethan does, he cannot beat him. Just as it looks like Ethan is going to be killed by Gabriel because he has the upper hand, a mysterious agent called Grace appears and saves Ethan. Agent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Knocks uh, uh, Gabriel away, but she points her gun at Ethan saying that he too is a suspect. She says that she is also okay. working to find the weapon. That's what her mission is. Um, and, you know, she doesn't trust anybody. The train makes a sharp corner, giving Ethan the opportunity to escape. So he knocks over uh, Grace and escapes. Gabriel kills the train driver and jumps off. The train derails and falls off a bridge. Yep. Mm-hmm. Suddenly we're reminded of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> Absolutely. But Ethan ju- jumps off in the nick of time because he is a cool guy. Grace mm. is left wondering where Ethan is. She's safe as well. So as he's jumping off, the camera zooms in on his like <laughs> his uh, crotch region and we see that there's, like, so you, there's a huge bulge <laughs> yep. just running down his pant Absolutely. Leg. Well, that's okay. all the way through the movie, yeah. Karen, so it's not worth pointing out here, you know? Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's all the way through. So back, uh, they're back with their crew. Luther and Benji tell Ethan- Where's Ilsa, by the way? Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> she's she's hanging out with, I don't know. She's just idea. not in your movie. Not in my movie, no. Okay. Wow. <laughs> um, Can we change Mr. Halfpoint's name to Mr. No Points? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. So, during the, uh, so what happens is uh, the crew have tracked where Gabriel is and he's actually in Rome. Okay. And that's pretty much because that's where Tom Cruise did his press. So, Ethan heads over there. And then suddenly, like, the back of a truck opens up and then, like, a bomb rolls down the streets (laughs) and Ethan has to drive, like, his car away from the bomb that's rolling down the streets. Very much so. It reminds me of that. Everything in this movie, I'm like, we've seen this already (laughs) this year. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But they keep saying this is new stuff, but I don't know if they're overhyping it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We can go see it right now. So, he checks into a hotel in Rome. Grace surprises him and they have a playful back and forth fight scene. Grace handcuffs herself in to Ethan. In the hotel? In the hotel. Oh, actually, yep. she handcuffs herself to Ethan and they handcuff themselves to the, the bed. bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she says she's working for another organization, possibly CIA, but who knows? It doesn't yeah, really important. Which is as who I Ethan's working for. As I, said, as I said, her mission is like, she's with a different organization, has the same mission the to FBI. find the weapon. She says that she's going to take Ethan and Gabriel in to find the truth. Ethan asks to let her let him go because now they're both in harm's way. And all of a sudden, Gabriel's men start shooting at Ethan because of this. Gabriel will drop the keys and lose them and they both have to jump out a window. Ethan will get in a small yellow wow. car. 
handcuffed to Grace, of course. Interesting. And will drive around the streets of Rome past the Spanish Steps. Uh, people- Spanish Steps in Rome? Isn't there a location called the Spanish Steps Poss- in Rome? Possibly. I know There's, nothing uh, about Rome. That's where that's where they did the press tour, these big these big sort of okay, steps. Right. Yeah. And I do see that in the trailer. I laugh, but I know nothing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what they called. And then called. they pass Vin Diesel, they who's pass driving Vin the Diesel, other, who's the driving other way. Well. He's trying to stop a bomb from going into the Vatican. Yeah. Everybody's frothing over this action scene. So, they, they keep saying this car chase scene is next level. So, maybe the car will do like a barrel roll or a backflip or something cool. like that. Cool. The handcuffs will break. Ethan will be able to drive fully so he can do all this impressive stuff. Uh, he finds Gabriel's car. Gabriel's in a car as well. They chase him. They crash. They get up. They have a fist fight. Gabriel beats Ethan. He tells Ethan that the, it's not th- this thing is not this device is not only a weapon, but it's actually advanced software, which is going to hack okay. into the most restricted database, meaning the user can get classified information, can control nuclear weapons, and okay. pretty much have access to any computer or any kind of technological. So thing it's ever. the same device that Cipher had in uh, F nine. Yes. Yes. Essentially. I'm sure they'll do it in a cooler way than I'm describing. What yeah. was that called? I can't even remember what it was called. I don't know. It was a device and, they, and yeah. it, was, it was split into two halves as every device oh. is in cinema these days. And then if you have both halves, you can control any technology. And it made no sense to. And it made no sense because how does it know what technology to control? Mm. But you're saying it's the same device in this movie. Yes. Okay. Same principle applies. Okay. He'll tell Ethan that the world will have to respond to him and his demands. Uh, he leaves Ethan for dead, but don't worry, he's all right. He, Ethan reunites with Grace and his crew. Ethan says that he only trusts the people in this area, in this room, the the you know them collectively. Yeah. Because, as he does in every movie. As he does in every movie, yeah. See, I pay attention. And he's like, let's forget about the woman in part four. <laughs> she never came back. Yes. When Ethan was fighting with Gabriel, during their scuffle, he puts a tracker in Gabriel and he reveals this with his crew. He's like, I actually put a tracker in him. So, Ethan knows where he's going to be. Where she's going to be. Where Oh, Gabriel. Gabriel, Sorry, Gabriel. Gabriel And Luther looks- I was imagining Grace for some reason. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm just confusing everybody now. There's a lot of of people moving around in here. Um, Not Elsa. (laughs) Certainly not. Certainly not. So, he's put a tracker. So, he's like, I know exactly where Gabriel's going to be. And Luther looks at Ethan and says- some desert place. In the fifth, your ass goes down. <laughs> and Ethan, some desert place. Some desert place. Okay. And Ethan responds, looks at him and responds, yeah, some desert place. So they arrive at some desert place. Ethan and Grace- John Wick's there yeah. on horseback. <laughs> it, is, it is like a lot of other movies. Yes. Isn't it? Everything in this movie we've seen before this year. <laughs> That's crazy. my problem with it. It's crazy. So, Ethan- so the desert horseback chase we saw in John Wick. The train uh, sequence in Norway, sorry, I've spoiled where it is, was in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Mm-hmm. The, the, the car chase in Rome, we already saw in Fast and Furious X. We've seen everything in this movie this year. Well, the mo- we haven't seen the movie yet. No, so that's true. We can't get to it. And I'll probably ourselves. enjoy it better than any of those movies I discussed, <laughs> even though I really enjoyed- uh, Well, you liked Indiana Jones. I liked right? Indiana Jones, and I also liked John Wick 4, so- Maybe I'll like this You'll, one too. You might we'll like this one too. Anyway, we're getting to the end of my plot. So, they arrive at the desert, uh, Ethan and Grace- I thought they were on camels. <laughs> they camel over. Okay, they can be on camels in your plot. But uh, yeah, they might have been horseback. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm sticking to the fact that it's camels. Yeah. It's funny to me. Uh, so, they find where the coordinates are, and it's like this base in the middle of the desert. There's a huge action okay. scene that takes place with our heroes and Gabriel's men. Gabriel is manning the weapon, which looks like just a remote control. That works for me. Okay. Ethan- so it's a TV remote control. Yep. Yep. It's like it's a universal remote control. He's just like, I can control my set-top box and my TV <laughs> with the same device. This is how, like, Look at this back. technology. Hey, hey, I heard, I, I heard a review saying it It reminds me of, like, a 90s movie, so maybe that's, yeah, uh, well. maybe that's what they're, like, playing off. Okay. So, you know, after this action scene, Ethan meets with Gabriel. They have a bare-knuckle fight scene. Gabriel, uh, they, they, he knocks the, a gun out of Gabriel's hand. But Wait, Ga- where's Paris in your plot? Who? Tom Clementine's character. Hmm. Oh, Jesus Christ. You don't even have half the cast in your plot. <laughs> nope. And there's a reason for that. Because I tried- didn't do the work. Because I tried to avoid looking at spoilers. The trailers? Okay. The trailers were so- uh, Okay, so, fair enough. You know, so all over the place. Not all over the place. Because Mantis just- didn't have her headpiece on. You didn't recognize exactly, her. Exactly, exactly. I'm sure she's around doing stuff, but- <laughs> okay, uh, I'm not giving I, you I'm, any points for that. I'm just focusing on Ethan and the bad guy, really, because okay. I want to get a baseline of how this movie's sure. going to go, even though it probably isn't going to go in this direction at all. But anyway- Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Gabriel has a gun. Ethan kicks the gun out of his hand, and eventually Gabriel gets the gun again after this fight scene and shoots- Ethan. Ooh. And he tells Ethan that he will never win and he could never win. Luther and Benji and Grace and whoever else is involved. There we go. <laughs> Not giving you points. Insert who you will. Uh, can can hear on their like devices and listen to their beloved agent 
dying, mm. you know? And so part one of this movie will be a ballsy move to kill the hero and let the bad guy win. And Wait, see- so Ethan actually dies. Like he goes, Ugh. And yes, and seeing if this franchise can continue without their leader, Tom Cruise. That's when Jeremy Renner steps in. Now, Kieran. Kieran yes. Okay. I'm going to tell you a secret. Come close. Okay. Yep. Ethan's not really dead. <gasps> he's faking. He's he's doing it to trick Gabriel. Okay. And that's something we're going to find out. He's doing in- a real Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. It was something we're going to find out in part two, you know? Okay. Uh, I didn't want- I wanted you to know just so you didn't have any nightmares. So you've already spoiled the movie next year for but, me. But don't tell anyone, okay? And it's going to be called the <laughs> part two, the dead reckon he's still alive. <laughs> okay, alive uh, reckon. So, so that's where the movie's going to end. We think Ethan's dead, but he's not going to be dead. Shh, don't tell anyone. And uh, just some Matty D bonus predictions. Tom Cruise will do his iconic run and we'll yeah, all course. miss Henry Cavill in this movie. Yeah, maybe. And- wow, there you go. How'd I, how'd I do? <laughs> Terribly. Well, we don't know. We don't know the movie. Yeah, that's true. We don't know. But this, I cannot believe this. I, I cannot believe this. Can I, it? I'm so gobsmacked that I'm turning <laughs> Scottish. But uh, I cannot believe this. But you and I have 100%, 100% different plots. <laughs> Our plots are not similar at all. That doesn't surprise me at all. That's crazy. I, can't, I thought we would have like one or two similarities, but we have no similarities <laughs> at all. We have two completely different movies. In mind, we could go to the movies and you'll be like, this was not the movie I was expecting at all. <laughs> yeah. So let me get straight into my plot. So I think the movie's going to start with a cold open where, quite like a Bond movie, we start on a submarine. <laughs> Already 100% different. So, yeah, it's a little, uh, you know, man-made submarine, as they all are. With It's controlled with, like, a video game controller. It's full of billionaires. <laughs> no, that's not true. So, we understand it's a regular, like, nuclear submarine. So, we yeah. understand that submarine is transporting a dangerous piece of experimental technology. Ooh, there we go. Cool. So, everything goes wrong when a strange entity takes over the submarine controls, causing an invisible enemy sub to appear on the sonar. So, like, a, a little blip appears, like, and they're like, oh, my God, there's, like, someone who's just popped up on the radar. This is an enemy sub. So, the submarine fires a torpedo at the invisible enemy, but since there's nothing actually there, the torpedo loops back around and blows up the submarine, dooming the crew and the mysterious technology to the bottom of the ocean. And the people manning these submarines, they're just no-name guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. In my head, I imagine they're Russian, but they could be American. I don't know. Okay, cool. So, as a result of this, all the intelligence agencies around the world go into a frenzy. So, I'm just literally stealing straight from James Bond, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Similar kind of movies. For your eyes only, I think, is what I'm stealing from. So, we're reintroduced to the head of the CIA from the first movie, Kittredge, who we haven't seen since the first Mission Impossible movie, as I've just said. So, Kittredge meets with the heads of the intelligence supergroup known as the Community, and we're told that whoever has possession of this mysterious technology will have the tactical advantage over any global power. So, sort of similar to what you said. Okay. Computery stuff. Well, this is stuff we knew from the brief as well. Yeah. So, you didn't even include the community in your in your plot. Nope. So, the community believes that retrieving this technology will be impossible. So, Kitridge suggests utilizing the IMF since impossible missions are in their name. <laughs> this is where we have our opening credits. Dun, 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 dun. I hope we have a fuse and we're following a fuse hey, around. That's something our plots have in common. Oh, an opening <laughs> title sequence. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, after these opening credits, we then cut to Ethan Hunt, who receives the mission in the usual fashion via a self-destructing message. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, this message will self-destruct that old that old chestnut. So, spoiler alert, Ethan accepts the mission, <laughs> and Ethan is told that he needs to retrieve a key from rogue MI6 agent Ilsa Faust. There you go, she's in my plot. Cool. So, Ethan tracks Ilsa down to a hideout in the middle of the desert. There you go. There's another similarity. We have That's a desert, desert where he finds that Ilsa is being attacked by a group of deadly mercenaries. So, Elsa takes down several of the mercenaries with a sniper rifle, and Ethan helps her out by shooting the rest. Ethan finds that Ilsa is wearing the key around her neck, and she explains that it's only half of a whole key. So, the key is, of course, because oh, it's 2023, right. every device, well, you know, we talked about this in F9 as well, every device is, you know, only half of a device. Yeah. So, it's two halves fit together to make the whole, so this is only half of a key. Kind of over this. Yeah. Every movie does this. So, whoever has the whole key will have access to the mysterious technology on the sunken submarine, and the technology happens to be an advanced AI algorithm known as Rhythm, <laughs> and it's played by John Cheadle, of course. Yes. No, it's actually not called Rhythm; it's called The Entity. So, The Entity has the power to access and alter all of the world's information, meaning whoever wields it will have the power over all technology all over the world. So, it can access any information anywhere. It can alter information anywhere, so it can edit Wikipedia pages and make Kieran and Maddie D look like idiots. 
when they're predicting plots. No, it can be more dangerous than that, as in, like, you know, it can imitate people over phone calls, so it can create, like, an, an AI voice to right. imitate other people. So, it can, you know, it's really, like, going to be an equal match, like a technology match to Ethan, as in it has all the powers that Ethan has, but it's, a, it's an algorithm. Yeah, okay. Makes and, sense. And that's what, like, caused the submarine... That's right. Well, I'm getting to that, but yes, that's true. So, it did take control of the submarine and cause it to self-destruct. So, this is all building into my plot. I've got all these elements that are coming soon. So, Ilsa realizing the potential consequences of this feels that nobody should have access to the entity and it should be destroyed. But as soon as she stole the key half and went rogue, she's been targeted by the world's most dangerous groups for some reason. (laughs) We'll find out. So, Ethan agrees that no one government should have this power and as per usual, decides to go rogue. Just like James Bond in all the most recent they James Bond movies, go he goes rogue. So, this infuriates Kitridge, who, of course, is the head of the CIA. He's working with the community, and he deploys his two enforcers, which didn't appear in Matty D's plot, Briggs and Dagus, to track down Ethan and Ilsa. But luckily for them, Briggs and Dagus are incompetent and bumbling idiots who are only in the movie for comic relief. <laughs> so, Briggs and Dagus remain one step behind our heroes through the whole movie and bicker with each other constantly. So, I don't really mention them again in my plot because I don't think they'll have that much of an impact, but they're always like turning up at the last minute like, being like, one step behind. What happened? Like all the destructions there and they're just like there to pick up the pieces. <laughs> So, Ethan reunites with the rest of his loyal team, Benji and Luther, and we forget about the woman from uh, Mission Impossible 4, <laughs> who were previously both tech guys, but are now competent field agents in their own right. Both of them? Both of them, yeah, sure. Ethan tells them that while he needs their help, he'll be asking them to betray their country and the IMF and potentially risk their lives. But Benji, Luther and Ilsa remind Ethan that the movies aren't just about him anymore, it's about the team and how Ethan won't achieve anything without them, so they're on board. That's something I really like about 4, 5, and 6. It's like, because 1, 2, and 3, the problem with those movies, it's like- It's, it's all about It's Ethan. very much about Tom Cruise. It's very much about well, Ethan. The first movie is him going against his whole team. That's right? while his team turns against him. Well, yeah, but- He's like the one straight man when everyone else is bent. Mm. But um, <laughs> I really enjoy- it's probably the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> very nice. But I really liked in 4, 5, and 6 how it was very much about the team and how Ethan can't, like, complete the mission without the team. And we're not just focusing on Tom Cruise's character the whole time. We're actually focusing on an ensemble. Mm -hmm. So, I'm very much hoping for that in this movie. But, yeah, we'll see. So, the team learns that the second half of the key is being exchanged in an airport in Rome and decide to pose as the buyers. And arriving at the airport, Ethan bumps into a woman who pickpockets their half of the key from him. (laughs) So, realizing that they've been robbed, Luther hacks into the airport security cameras to seek out the pickpocket, while Ethan and Benji pursue her on foot. Reminds me of your Indiana Jones plot. Yes, I did steal it straight from Indiana Jones. (laughs) But at the same time, a mysterious entity, I wonder what this could be, hacks into the airport security and targets our agents (laughs) and the pickpocket as dangerous terrorists and sends the police after them. The pickpocket realizes that she's being pursued and goes to leave, bumping into Ethan, who reveals that he's stolen the key half back from her. So, he's just as skilled of a pickpocket as she is. Cool. He could be wearing a mask at this point. Yeah, that's true. So, he takes off a mask to reveal that he's someone else and then takes off another mask to reveal that he's Ethan Hunt. (laughs) So, realizing that this woman is over her head and in danger, Ethan and the woman flee the airport in a car with the police in hot pursuit. So, we learn that this woman is a professional thief called Grace and she was hired to steal the key half from Ethan. At this point, we're also introduced to another character who wasn't in Matty D's plot, the assassin Paris, who chases after the two in a military vehicle. Maybe she pops and goes, hello! <laughs> when I came to set, I was always saying, hello! Yes. So it was like, <laughs> out, because, like, you know, in the movie, yes. that's what I do in one of the scenes. So, right. after yeah. the scene, I said that like, every day, coming to set. And actually, I do that all the time now. <laughs> in your life? Yeah, sometimes I send, like, voice notes to James, like, hello! <laughs> <laughs> or I gotta talk about something serious and like all of a sudden like hello, you know? I'm learning a lot here about all these characters. Yeah. So, Paris is an unhinged psychopath who takes great pleasure in hurting and even killing people. So, she's always got like a wicked smile and a laugh whenever she's doing anything maniacal. So, we have an impressive car chase where Ethan and Grace have to take turns driving and the car doors get knocked off as they weave through traffic. Eventually, they crash their car and just like in James Bond, again, this is straight from uh, For Your Eyes Only, they're forced to take a comically small yellow car for the rest of the chase. Since the smaller car can fit through tight spaces that most regular vehicles can't, Ethan and Grace manage to slip away from the cops and Paris. Ethan tells Grace to go home and forget about the key, but when she leaves, Ethan realises that she's stolen it from him yet again. Tricky. He's like, forget about the key, go home. Yeah, no worries. Hold on a second. Wait a second. She took it again. So, the assassin Paris is working for a terrorist called Gabriel, who appears to be the villain, but he's actually working for the entity itself. So, he's sort of working as the entity's proxy. So, you see, the entity has become self-aware, 
and has predicted that people would want to destroy it, so it promised Gabriel unlimited power and wealth in exchange for his protection. So he's working for an AI. That's right. So the AI is the villain, and it's actually using Gabriel as its human proxy. So it's kind of like a, a supercomputer, like that old supercomputer is the main bad guy. Trip. That's right. That's right. Interesting. So through the power of flashbacks, we learn that Gabriel originally worked with the Syndicate, which is Mission Impossible's version of Spectre, a group that the IMF was responsible for destroying in the previous movies. So I'm imagining flashbacks quite a lot. Like, I know you haven't seen the movie, but uh, exactly like, oh, no, you were aware of this. So in the same way that they worked in, um, what's his name? Reyes, the bad guy in uh, Fast X, how they like inserted him in the fifth movie through flashbacks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm seeing the same thing here. So, they insert Gabriel into the previous movies like he was always so, there. So, yeah, he's like in the background. It's like, oh, yeah, I was there during this part yes. of the movie. So, Gabriel is out for revenge on our heroes specifically, and the entity is able to predict what moves they'll make and can hack into their comms. So, they're fucked either way. So, therefore, we understand that the airport exchange was a setup, which is why Paris knew that our team would be there. So, the whole reason that they got this information about the whole key exchange at the airport was because the entity fed them that information by altering, you know- Emails, yeah. news reports, whatever. Yeah. And so, it was all a setup to get, you know, that half of the key there and to- So, that Gabriel could come in, his, his team could come in and, and snatch it up. It's a smart AI. There you go. So, Ethan and the IMF team learn that Grace is taking the key back to her employer and they follow her to Venice. Realizing that the bad- We talked about Venice in a movie recently, yeah, didn't we? Did, we? we did. Uh, Venice appears in a lot of these Yeah, movies. Venice is in every second And movie. I just realized that Venice is in this movie. I never mentioned it. Yes. There's a lot of things you didn't mention. <laughs> So, realizing that the bad guys have the ability to predict their movements and hack their tech, <laughs> the team realizes that they'll have to do the mission old school and not rely on any technology oh, or gadgets. Go. Or they can wear, like, bags on their heads so they're blind and they just, like, bump around. Yeah, they're like so paper bag man. predictable. Yeah, yes. like Bill and Ted. So, this means that Luther and Benji are almost entirely useless now and probably won't appear in my plot again. <laughs> So, since Ethan and his ex-wife have both moved on from each other, see Mission Impossible Fallout for details, Ethan and Ilsa strike up a predictable romance. But Ethan is cautious about falling in love again, since he's seen enough Bond movies to know that a spy falling in love never ends well. But Ilsa reminds him that she's a spy as well, so it evens out. Okay. So, in Venice, Grace meets her employer at a John Wick-esque dance party. There you go. (laughs) With lots of fancy lighting, techno music, and slow motion dancing. We both have that in our plots. And Grace's employer turns out to be the black market arms dealer Alana, also known as the White Widow, who we assume is after the entity for herself. Alana has the other half of the key... And when Paris and Gabriel step out of the shadows, we realise that Alana is planning on selling both halves of the key to Gabriel for a tidy sum. So, she's all about that money. So, Grace asks to be paid, but Alana says she won't pay until she herself is paid, and Grace is essentially taken hostage. So, she's like, I won't give up the key until I've been paid. Well, I won't give up you until I've been paid. Makes sense. But Ethan and Ilsa have also made their way into the party undercover and pull off masks to reveal themselves. There you go. That's your mask pull off. Yep, I just worked that in last second. So... Ethan barrels his way into the meeting like an idiot and is immediately grabbed by a bunch of Alana's goons. Gabriel confronts Ethan and explains that he's been watching him from the shadows this whole time and says, You have no idea of the power I represent. It knows your story and how it ends. That is written. And Gabriel tells Ethan that he knows where his friends are and he can take them out with a snap of his fingers. But Ethan says, If you hurt them, there's no place I won't go to kill you. That is written. And we all applaud the the Oscar-worthy performance from Kieran there and and Tom Cruise. So, Gabriel laughs and leaves with Alana and Grace, but Paris steps in to execute Ethan with a sword that she has hidden in a cane. But Ilsa swoops in and knocks out Paris at the last second, there you go, stealing her sword and taking off after Gabriel. After a struggle, Ethan manages to break free from Alana's goons and has to John Wick his way through the dance party. (laughs) We both did it. Because we saw this in John Wick already. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Ilsa catches up with Gabriel in an alleyway and the two have a sword and knife fight. Ethan runs like a gazelle to catch up with them, but he's caught by Paris in a narrow alleyway who attacks him with a steel pipe. Ethan beats Paris, but he's too late to save Ilsa, who is predictably stabbed by Gabrielle. The baddies get away, and Ethan has a final tender moment with Ilsa as she dies in his arms. So, because they fell in love, of course she has, she has to, to die. die. It's yeah, the rule. Course, it's the rules. When I saw that they were a couple in the trailer, I was like, fuck, they're going to kill off Ilsa, aren't they? <laughs> well, oh well. Unless she betrays him or something. Well, she already did that in uh, the fifth movie. So, they're not going to do that beat again. So, now with revenge on the table, Ethan, Benji and Luther pursue Gabriel to Norway, where he, Alana and Grace are travelling across the countryside in a private train. Benji and Luther wish Ethan the best of luck and promise to try and help him as much as they can from the sidelines. (laughs) We'll cheer you on. On the train, we learn that Alana plans to steal the entity for herself. Look, I was right the whole time. 
and the entity has predicted this, so she and her men are killed by Gabriel and Paris. Grace makes a run for it, but she's chased by one of Gabriel's goons. Ethan follows the train on a motorbike, and just like in James Bond, it was the, the spy who loved me, he drives off a cliff on a bike and parachutes onto the roof of the train. Cool. So he drives off the, uh, the cliff on the motorbike, just like in Goldeneye, and as he's going through the midair- Lands like, on the roof there's of the no, train. There's no music, it's just silent. And then like the, the parachute opens up and it's an American flag. <laughs> So Ethan and Gabriel fight on the roof of the train, just like in the first Mission Impossible movie, and just like in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Just like in the trailer. Yes, and the two have to drop down prone as the train enters a tunnel, and narrowly avoiding obstacles as they whiz past. And since this is part one of a two-part movie, of course Gabriel and Paris manage to get away, blowing up part of the train as they escape. So one of the train carriages is rigged with explosives. Mm-hmm. They go, so this exploding train carriage destroys half of a bridge that the train is traveling over, ensuring that Ethan and Grace plummet to a fiery death. Oh. But the two jump from carriage to carriage and are forced to climb vertically up a carriage, just like in uh, one of the Uncharted games. I think it was Uncharted 3. I think that happened in the movie too, right? Yes, it did. No, there was no train in the Uncharted movie. There was no train, movie. but it was the, the luggage, right? He was climbing up the Yeah, luggage. he was climbing up the luggage, yeah. Yeah, okay, so we have seen this already <laughs> recently as well. So they have to climb vertically up the carriage as it dangles and drops from the broken bridge. So Ethan and Grace escape from the train in the nick of time and reunite with Benji and Luther. Ethan then turns to the camera and says... Hey guys, I know the bad guys got away and the entity is still around, but because the movie followed a three-act structure and didn't end on a blue ball and cliffhanger, <laughs> oh, here we go. you guys won't have to leave the cinema feeling like you've only watched half a movie. <laughs> and we're like, fair enough, Tom Cruise, I trust you. Oh, are we are we, are we we shooting shots at anyone in particular here? At yes. Any movie in particular yes, here? Yes, a Kira? couple of movies in particular here that we've had recently. <laughs> not naming anybody, Spider-Man, <laughs> not naming anybody, Fast X. <laughs> and that was my plot. Cool. So we have credits and everyone's like, oh, thank God no. Thank oh. God that had a three-act structure. Because oh. otherwise I'd be really disappointed thank right God now. that was a movie. Yes. Well, hopefully it does have a three-act structure because I know it's a movie you're looking forward to. Yes. So I know you'd be very disappointed if it doesn't. So I'm looking more so at like an Empire Strikes Back rather than a Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which just ends halfway through the movie. <laughs> Spoilers for that movie, by the way. Lots of people don't know that. So uh, there we go. That movie's out. We can run off and watch it now. We literally. We, we literally can watch it right now. I feel really bad that we're covering a movie that's already out. But like I said, it's not out all over the world. So by the time this episode comes out, everybody will be able to see it. Yes. But we can literally go and see it right or now. Or have seen it already. But I think by our plots, it's pretty obvious that we <laughs> have not no, seen it. <laughs> no. I was, I was like so ashamed of this plot because I'm like, this is not the movie at all. <laughs> I'm just making this stuff up. It was so hard to predict a Mission Impossible movie. Yes. Movies like this are, we know this firsthand, movies like this are notoriously difficult to predict and they're also not fun to predict. No, they're not. I did not enjoy doing this prediction at all. Even though I might enjoy the movie and the franchise, I did not enjoy doing this prediction because action movies suck. Yes, and there's so many twists and turns with this kind of movie and a lot of it's just building up to like the next action scenes. Yes. It's it's almost impossible. (laughs) Yeah, it's an impossible mission. An impossible mission, yeah. But, you know, we gave it our best shot. So, So, what can you do? Have you seen the latest Mission Impossible movie? Have you seen Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1? What did you think of the movie? What were you expecting to happen in the movie? Did it meet your expectations? Did you like the movie? Did you hate it? Give us a ranking of all of your favourite Mission Impossible movies. Matty D can't do that because he hasn't seen all of them. They're all on the same level. Well, no. Wow. I'd say they're all at the same level. Six was all right. What you saw of six. Half of six was all right. And you already heard my uh, ranking of those movies. So, yes, send in your own ranking. You can contact us at potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com if you like emails. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter if you like social media. Or you can simply leave us a comment on this episode's page on our Podbean site if you like pain and dealing with the Podbean commenting system. (laughs) They'll fix it one day, I'm sure. One day. So, we're finished talking about Mission Impossible 7, and let's talk about what we're going to be discussing next week. Of course, we're returning to the world of actual spoilers. I'm actually excited to revisit this movie, Matty D, because next week we're going back and seeing how well we did with predicting our first ever lockdown episode. The first ever episode we recorded remotely. Those were hard days. We're talking about how well we did with predicting The Suicide Squad. Yeah, sick. Awesome. It was one of my favourite movies of 2021. It was awesome. It was so I'm looking forward to revisiting it. I haven't seen it since 2021. I don't think I have either. So I've only seen it the once. Uh, I didn't even see it in cinemas. I had to watch it at home because we're in lockdown. Yes. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to revisiting it. And until we return for that. This episode will self-destruct in five, four... Three, two. We 
she wasn't exactly gagging for it when she left you six months ago. And I may or may not know why she thinks she's here. But I wanted to take the risk. Because you... I am gagging for it. Ah! Ah! 